back to animals. My name is Shannon Cutts. I'm an animal intuitive and sensitive with animallovelanguages.com. That little chirp that you just heard is Pearl Cutts, or if you're watching the video, you can put a face to a name. Um, he never misses an episode, and we are delighted here to talk about all things animal communication. Our mission is de-wooing if you will, animal communication, demystifying it. Who can do it? How does it work? How do you know you're doing it? How can you get started? Who should you study with? Do you need to study? And how to tackle those in your life who maybe aren't quite as supportive as you might like them to be. Understanding that where you don't find support, that's just an indication to turn around and understand that there is support out there. Trust me, we are all about supporting you here. There are lots of animals who want to talk to you, who need to talk to you, and we can't wait to help you get started. So I am excited to welcome Jenny Jamongsi today from heartofthehorse.us. Jenny, welcome to Let's Talk to Animals. Thank you. I'm so excited to meet you and this way and to share with your audience, hopefully some interesting and inspiring tales. I think that, that, that people are going to be very intrigued and inspired by your story. It's one of the reasons that I wanted to invite you on the show. And so as we were chatting about right before I pressed record, since these are pre-recorded, um, one of the things that our audience is, is so interested to know about and, you know, is often kind of wrestling with within themselves is, you know, how do I get from here where I am today, just curious about animal communication, wondering if it's already been happening to me, really convinced that my pets are sending me a message, but I don't know how to decode it all the way to where you and I are now, where we've hung out a shingle, we're working with people on a regular basis, we're able to be helpful. We've, we've, we've got some, some time and experience and validation under our belt. And so I always like to invite our guests to just briefly rewind us back to that moment when you decided you were in, when you realized this is a thing and I... I'm intrigued enough to follow the path and see where it leads. Well, the first time I heard about animal communication is definitely not when I was in, but um, the first time I heard about it was maybe 15 years ago. And I'll just share this quickly. I boarded my, ha my horse at a boarding facility in California and they had an animal communicator come and talk with the audience. And there was a woman there at, at, who said, oh, you know, please talk with my horse. And the animal communicator said, well, I'm seeing this blonde woman. And she goes, well, I don't have blonde hair. And she goes, well, there's a blonde woman riding your horse. And there's a big um, sign for a bar, a Coors beer bottle. <laughs> and, wow. Um, and she goes, no, I've never ridden in, in, you know, anywhere like that. And I don't have blonde hair. And her husband was there. And the horse said, well, ask your husband because he took his girlfriend on a ride. <laughs> and it turned out that the husband did when the woman was out of town, allow his girlfriend to ride the horse. Oh. And so I thought, <laughs> well, that must be real. Um, but, you know, it wasn't for me. I majored in economics. I, you know, had a job that kept me very grounded in what everybody believes is our foundational reality of Newtonian physics and um, the separation between animals and people. Uh, but when I knew I was in, 
It was after I had a near-death experience in 2012. And after my near-death experience, I could see, sense, and feel. I could talk to plants and animals and dead people. And I knew things that I shouldn't know. And I had um, a sense of the trauma that was trapped in people's nervous system with no context whatsoever. And that's what led me on a journey. Jenny, that's really remarkable. I, I, I'm just riveted. <laughs> and I know you have a book, so folks can learn more about that on your website. But, you know, this is, this is a big thing, I think, for a lot of people right now. If they haven't had their own near-death experience, there's been a lot of loss. There's been a lot of trauma, it, even in just the severity of the changes that we're going through in our personal lives as a planet. And it does feel like it's important to honor those wake up calls. You know, maybe not everyone who's listening today has had such an overt or extreme experience as you have. But, you know, if you're listening or you're watching right now and you're you know, you're intrigued and you feel like, okay, I want to learn more. Ask yourself, what about, what about Jenny's story is kind of tugging at your heartstrings or tapping on your shoulder and saying, Hey, are you experiencing a wake up call as well? Is there something more here? Could you possibly be happier, feel more connected, feel more empowered to be of service to yourself and to the to to all of life being lived all around you. So Jenny, take us through kind of the next steps because that can be a little overwhelming, especially from the background you just described to be like, whoa, <laughs> what did you do next? Right, well, um, I went on a healing journey and a spiritual uh, journey, a seeker's journey. And I asked a lot of questions to anybody that would talk to me. I traveled extensively. I took many classes. I went to 50 or 60 healers. <laughs> um, I traveled more than I was at home. I, I traveled extensively. I studied extensively. I downloaded every podcast, webinar, class. And it, it was pretty much 10 to 12 hours a day, every day. For the last 10 years of my life, I've been thinking about the question you just asked me. And, and, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, every, every minute of every day. And um, I knew that if I wanted to live, I had to get off of the prescription medicine. I knew that I had to look outside of um traditional uh, our traditional medical model the standard of care model in this country and seek out alternative uh, care models which i had never heard of before i knew that it would involve um spiritual or esoteric metaphysical conversations because i was having extraordinarily metaphysical experiences and mine were a bit more, let's say, advanced than most uh, people talked about, quite frankly, unless they had studied for decades a particular spiritual uh, philosophy or um, became a master in a, um, a complementary healing modality. Mm. So it took me a while to connect in with people that could actually help me. 
And on that journey of my own healing, healing my humanness, my trauma, understanding my psyche, understanding that my brain is a pharmacy and my mind is the prescribing doctor on that journey. And additionally, on the journey to understanding some, not all of what was happening to me, I began to understand that there is much more to us as humans than we are led to believe, than we are taught in school. And on that journey of beyond the Western model of self-analysis, of a metaphysical archeological dig into my own consciousness and how I was expressing my consciousness, that is when animals started coming to me and really saying that they are experiencing similar psycho-spiritual issues and concerns and that not a lot of animal communicators are addressing this issue that um, in fact, there are a lot of messages from very high realms uh, over souls of uh, animals. Some people refer to them as spirit helpers, which are very wise. And I was admonished not to buy into that, that every animal has a unique experience and journey as a soul on a path of evolution and, and learning and growing. And that many animals, especially those in domestication, are in need of support from a psycho-spiritual perspective. And to, just to give you one example that you may find interesting, a few days ago, maybe four days ago, I had an FEI Grand Prix horse client. And um, after speaking with the horse for about 20 minutes and realizing this is a very evolved soul, this horse is not an average horse that I talk to many times a week. And he said to me, he, his symptoms, let me just say his symptoms were just general soreness, almost like symptoms of fibromyalgia and inflammation, right? And he said to me, Ginny, do you think this could have anything to do with my ancestral lineage? And I said to the woman, you have a remarkable horse. You have a, there is a remarkable soul in this body. And he is blowing me away. And we had the most incredible conversation. So where, uh, where what was happening when I was being introduced into the animal communication community, it was a lot of projection of perfection on animals and that they're all here to teach us and guide us. And I was specifically admonished not to go down that route and to take what I had learned in understanding my own consciousness and how I was expressing my consciousness and how trauma and abuse and stress and illness had affected the way I expressed my consciousness to apply that to the animal's issues, because many of them are also growing and learning just as we are. So that's really how that started. It's profound because as I listen to you, I'm getting this mental picture of humans, you know, simultaneously putting animals on a pedestal 
and then systematically traumatizing, abusing, or simply annihilating them. And those extremes, at least I, I can relate just to a lot of your story in terms of, you know, how previous experiences have shaped my worldview as well. And, and how, you know, the love that I feel for, let's say, my parrot, Pearl, doesn't necessarily inform, I mean, I call him a perfect parrot about 25 million times a day, but that doesn't necessarily inform the imperfections that he's working out and his right to the fullness of his personality and the the life lessons that he's here to learn and work on. And it's such a profound and, and also humble approach that you have to working with non-human animals. I'm curious about your human clients and how this impacts them and their relationship with their animals. Does it, does it help to ease some of the stress that they're feeling or do you, because I noticed that you also work with people Mm -hmm. separate. It's, it looked like separate and apart even from your work with the human and non-human animal team or just with the animal. Is that correct? Yes. Um, it's very true that when I do work with animals and their caretakers, the caretaker often receives some sort of epiphany or healing. And I do give people tools to help strengthen, strengthen their heart connection and bond with, with the animal. And I certainly give a different perspective of what's going on with the animals. Um, one thing I don't do is I don't allow the human to just come forward with five questions or 10 questions. I do not entertain questions in the beginning. I listen to the soul of the animal. And Shannon, that's how I work with people as well. I. Um, I do not rely on protocols or human knowledge, intellect, um, even my own experience, except to try to explain things to people. I listen to the soul. I listen to their spirit team. I perceive what they allow me to perceive in their energy field. And I share that. My, um, my purpose is to be in service to each individual soul that is in front of me to complement, to help enrich that soul's journey and honor that soul. And in my interacting with animals in that way, it is certainly, uh, in my perspective and in my experience, very educational for their caretakers. And this is how I work with humans as well. Um, but just to finish up a thought that I started there with that. And so when I work with the animals, I allow the animal to tell their story. And it's not that I'm saying, oh, don't give me any information about your animal because I don't want to give false information. That's not at all what I'm saying. My perspective is if we hear the human story, the animal might say, well, if that's what they think is happening, then we'll just go with their story, right? Because the animal story is almost never what the human thinks the story is or what the human's experience was. It is almost always something that happened before that, right? And so when we, when I work that way, oftentimes I'll then turn to the human and say, okay, the animal is done spontaneously communicating. Now, do you have questions? And, you know, six or seven times out of 10, they'll say, well, he answered all my questions or he or she answered all my questions. Wow. But are, at, rarely will I have someone who says, 
okay, I have 10 questions, <laughs> in which case I try my very best to spend enough time, you know, and help to try to get as much clarity as possible. But to answer your question, I think it went around the long way to answer. I love it. The way I work with humans is that I, I, every person, I know nothing, blank screen, empty space, and I allow their soul, their body, their consciousness, their team to come forward and let me know what is the soul's priority, what is most important for them to address that maybe is preventing them from healing certain, let's say, possibly medical issues or relationship issues or not a lack of understanding as to why they're having repeating patterns in their life, etc. And I have found if we allow the soul to give us the information we need, it can basically pull the linchpin or the cotterpin or whatever. It can mm-hmm. pull the cork in the bottle, right, out for so many foundational issues that create space for so many good things to to happen as a result and to have a shift in um, awareness and a shift in experience. So um, my soul led me on a very specific journey, Shannon. It took me to so many lifetimes where I was a healer of many different modalities, many different spiritual perspectives. And a lot of the time it was coming from my ego. It was coming from me believing I knew more or was more spiritually evolved than Mm -hmm. other people, or even that they had the potential to become that I was in healing people. I was actually taking on their karma. I was interfering with their soul purpose and my soul, because I I was clairvoyant, claircognizant, clairaudient, clair sentient all the clairs were turned on my soul was able to give me a guided tour of many past lives where i was a shaman healer sage priest priestess you name it um master of what have you and almost never almost never was i empowering people and shining the light of truth for them on the fact that they could do anything i could do anything i could do And that is one of my goals in this life, because people look up to me as often that, oh, you know, I always hear, I wish I had what you have, or I wish I could communicate the way you do, or that somehow I'm special. And the only thing that's special about me, I think, is the unique way in which these gifts and abilities were activated for me. I still had to take responsibility for myself, heal myself, learn what it all meant, you know, find a context 360 degrees. What I love to do for people is shine the light on their magic, their superpower, their abilities, and help them understand what I have experienced to be the most effective and efficient way to be in alignment with your soul purpose and to contemporaneously evolve our gifts and abilities. And from my perspective, if we go at this from, I want to open my psychic senses, 
but an absolute lack of understanding of how we are expressing our consciousness, our trauma, our wounds, uh, having no interest in developing a vertical relationship with our own soul and our team, then that is not working in alignment with our soul. And I myself am the shining example of what happens to somebody when they don't do that. And that led to me having multiple near-death experiences. So I can say from experience that if we go on a journey of self-awareness and begin to become archaeologists of our own consciousness, our soul is actually in charge of activating and opening our gifts and abilities. And when we heal and when we come into alignment with ourselves, and when we hold that intention to give ourselves permission to make different choices, to remember the truth of who we are, that we all have this potential, that's when our soul begins to say, oh, yeah, she's listening. Let's give her a taste of what it might be like if she continues down this journey, right? Absolutely. And what strikes me so clearly, I find myself, I keep closing my eyes while you're talking because my heart is so touched by what you're sharing. And I'm thinking to myself, how many of us, human animal or non-human animal, have ever had the profound gift, the respect of being treated as a unique individual? Like just given the, 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 a total focus of attention from another soul who is just there to hold space for them, to help them unfold it bravely into whatever is to be discovered about who they truly are. And it reminds me of so much of one of my mentors often says, never assume you know anyone, including yourself. And I have certainly found on this journey, I came to animal communication relatively late in life, if you consider half a century on this planet as late in life. And, you know, I've never felt like before, like I knew, I, I was like, wow, I kind of was not aware that this that there were th these parts of me that turned on that I wasn't even really aware were there. I've, I never had felt so alive. It, all it took was one communication. And I kind of had this wake up call and I was like, wow, everyone can do this. You know, I talked to an iguana. I was excited about it. And, you know, I wanted to share it with everyone. And then comes the discipline and the, I cannot seem to find the word I'm looking for, but the respect is as close as I can come. The humility and the profound respect and really awe for, uh, because it is a power position. It is when, when we start to, to open our hearts and to open our spirits and to have this vertical alignment. I love how you, you describe that. Then it becomes about, okay, you know, we have some real ability to do good to or to just do and and really kind of being intentional about that and especially when we're looking at you know working with another soul working with our own animal working with someone else's animal in which case you know a lot of folks come to animal communication and they think i want to work with the animals i like them a lot better than people and big <laughs> surprise and trust me i went through this too big surprise when you realize that working with animals most often means working with people so here you go and you've got this whole um you've opened up this wonderful new world and and you know how do we put some structure to it how do we find our place in it and right pearl and how do we 
um, feel good about the path that we're traveling so that we don't suddenly we hang out a shingle maybe and get started. And then all of a sudden, you know, something, something triggers us and a trauma pops up. And before we know it, we've kind of gotten ourselves in up to our necks and we don't really even know what it is that's swimming all around us. So that's where it feels like this, you know, having the structure of a community, having the structure of of a teacher and your fellow students, having the discipline of regular connection, and what we call practice or play or um, experiential application of everything we're learning really becomes critical because it's not just about talking to animals or doing, you know, more good at your local shelter or charity. It's about unfolding our souls and having the full experience of what it means to be alive. (laughs) And so of course, you know, we, we like, um, we know everyone that's listening to Let's Talk to Animals is, is, you know, thank you so much, by the way, if you're listening or watching for making time for this podcast. We know you have lots and lots of podcasts and blogcast options to choose from, and we really appreciate you making time for this one. I always like to, um, to, to kind of conclude each segment by inviting our guests to share a little bit about how can folks get in touch with you? How, how, what would you recommend? I, you, your story is, it's, um, it's, it could, we could do a whole series. Let's just put it that way. So (laughs) where, what would you recommend as far as, uh, people who might want to experience working with you or read more about your story, or maybe have you talk to their animal, or maybe they want to work with you directly? What, what would you suggest? Well, I, I, I would hope that if someone is inspired to work with someone, just find somebody that you resonate with. I'm not, you know, married to marketing myself. Mm-hmm. What I think I'd like to spend this time saying is that you, Shannon, just very beautifully articulated the honoring of the soul and the honoring of the self on a journey to being able to honor the animals. And my soul constantly questioned me, if you don't understand yourself or honor yourself as a complex, infinite divine being of light, how can you then support the animals in that way and show up for them in that way? And I am often asked, why don't I just teach animal communication classes? I used to do three-day workshops, five-day workshops, but people didn't understand how to manage their own energy, how to ground themselves, how to clear their space. They didn't have the discernment if they were really talking to an animal or their dead Aunt Betty or what have you. (laughs) And so that's why on my- Sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but yes- Right. And so on my website, I, if you would like, someone would like to study animal communication with me, I think that's amazing. I'm certainly much different, express my gifts and, and, and define my work differently than most animal communicators out there. Uh, the way I do it is I teach people first self-awareness and self-responsibility and, um, how to manage our own energy and begin a journey of self-healing and working with ourselves and one another as humans so that then when we begin the animal communication, we can relate that and take everything we have learned and experienced ourselves and we know to be true and then begin to work with the animals. So um, I don't teach a lot and I I have very limited classes. I don't... um, 
do sort of, you know, $39 for 500 people to buy a download. Because to me, my journey is not about reaching millions of people with a little bit of information. My journey is about connecting with you, Shannon, with someone in your audience to create a profound difference in their life or their animals' lives. And if that's only two or three people this week, that's fine for me. And if it's only a few hundred people this year, that's fine for me. And that is so important. And if you're you're listening or you're you're watching right now, it's so important to take that in. It's about asking yourself what feels good. I take a yoga class every morning with uh, Adrian on YouTube, and she's her her whole slogan is find what feels good. And I've literally not, I mean, taking yoga heal. She really helped me heal when I was diagnosed with, uh, with, uh, basically my thyroid had decided to go to sleep and it didn't want to wake up. And so it really, so I have taken that into my, my life, into my practice, into the work that I do, into how I connect with other human animals and non-human animals, find what feels, what feels good, what feels right versus just slap on a makeshift model that's out there and easily accessible you know, what, what my, one of my business coaches talks about the soul of our business, the soul of our, and you know, if you don't like the word business or that's not where you're headed or you, you know, you, it's not what resonates, the soul of your experience as an interspecies communicator, which is part of our birthright. It's part of our innate operating system. It's always there. It's just one of those folders we've never bothered to click on. You know, we just, we've gotten distracted by the other stuff that we need, you know, maybe more frequently just to navigate our daily lives. And so really think about, you know, what would feel good right now? What, what, what am I curious about? What questions do I have versus having to have, you know, even a, a year plan or three, I've never done well with them. Like I, I could plan for next week. Maybe my mom's like, Hey, you know, can we go to brunch next month? And I'm like, I don't know if it's too far away. I gotta, I gotta deal with this. what's coming up to today at two o'clock, you know? And so think about that. How do you, how, what feels good as far as you, you being in this world and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's important that the starfish approach is always appealed. You know, maybe you can't save every starfish on the beach, but the one that you save sure does appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and probably turns around to, to give out of their abundance. So we have to fill up first, you know, as we fill up ourselves, it was so tempting. Self-care has become so popular it's so trendy and so in but i'm still sometimes i question how often it's actually happening you know it we're so busy marketing the the little snippets where we manage to to fit it in versus is it a con is it is it a point of continuity as we move throughout our days because that in and of itself creates the ripple effect that actually changes things for the better actually gives other spirits living and breathing around us the opportunity, the opening to go, wait a minute, maybe I might want to try on some of this feel good self-care stuff for size. Because when we feel better, everything flows better, whether it's looks like it's flowing better or not, because our insides are shifting, our perspective is shifting, our hearts are feeling braver to stay open, even if in tough times. And so, Jeannie, I really respect you, really appreciate your message today. And, you know, this is not, 
I mean, we're never going to have as many listeners and viewers. Well, I'm not going to say never. I'm not, not going to say never. I mean, maybe, maybe one day we will attract, you know, the, 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 the mass numbers, but that's not what this is about. This is about inviting folks who haven't found their peeps yet, because mm -hmm. I very recently was one of them to realize, you know, how you're wired is perfect. And just as it was meant to be. And if there's something intriguing to you about your life that you haven't explored yet, you know what, guys, it's your life. Like, go, like, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's be the, be the weird woo ones. We love it, you know, because it, it just creates so much opportunity for us to realize we really, truly are the architects of our own life experiences. Right, Pearl? Yeah. We can't all be lucky enough to be born with feathers or fur. But we certainly can choose to keep company, conscious company with them and appreciate and love them and allow them to mirror that back to us as well. So, Jenny, thank you once again for being a part of Let's Talk to Animals, for donating your time to share some of your story. I want to encourage those of you who are listening and watching to share this podcast episode with someone who loves animals, with someone who loves soul work, with someone who is intrigued, as intrigued by the inner world as we are with all the beautiful experiences to be had in the outer world all around us. Visit heartofthehorse.us to learn more, more about Jenny and her work. Visit us at animallovelanguages.com where you can find all of the podcast episodes and you can listen at, um, at your leisure or you can watch us on YouTube. And please do feel free to give us five stars or 50 stars if that's available in your area. And to share this with a friend because we're still a young show and your support really does help us share the message of all these wonderful, wonderful interspecies communicators that I have had the good fortune to meet and talk with. So until next week, we are wishing you well for now. Have a wonderful, um, wonderful week filled with interspecies connections that make your heart sing. And Jenny... All the best to you, and I look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you. Okay, bye for now. Mm -hmm.